0: So how would you know if you were a good leader? How would you recognize a good leader? Who do you uh, recognize as someone who is worth following? What's the difference between a follower and a leader? How would you recognize if you were uh, at a good church with good leadership or a church with eh, kind of questionable leadership? Today in uh, As we continue this series in 1 Peter, we are looking at a passage where the Apostle Peter defines and speaks to good leaders in the church. The key verse is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse two, where he says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Literally, to shepherd the sheep. This is the uh, good shepherd idea of leadership that the apostle Peter is going to emphasize and he is going to define what good leadership looks like. And then that also leads to some other questions because at this time, when this was written, it was very clear who your flock was because you would live in the same area, you would all show up at the same place. And part of our challenge over the last couple of years, especially has been, how do you even recognize the flock? What does it mean to be a part of the church when the church is uh, a hybrid church that meets online and also in person? And what does it mean to be, to identify the flock, but also to be a part of the flock? How do you know if you are a part of a church, when you can go to church by just flipping on your phone. So those are the kinds of questions that we are going to ask today. What does good leadership look like? And hopefully answer. How do you know who your flock is? How do I know I want to be a part of the flock and identifying who is our flock. Welcome to Cornerstone Online. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman and this is our weekly experience where we inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, knowing that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And if you are new here, if this is the first time you're listening or you've just never, never let us know who you are, we would love to be able to welcome you personally and stay in touch with you. And so if you would, text new N-E-W, to our church number 603-225-2550, that would be great. We would love to know who you are and stay in touch with you. So like I said, we are in a series on First Peter, which is a letter from the Apostle Peter to churches in uh, ancient Asia Minor. We call it insi- Outsider Insider because he is talking to a church that is mostly made up of people who are outside of the power structures of their world, but he's encouraging them and pointing out to them that they are actually the ultimate insiders because they are a part of God's family and a part of the kingdom of God. And the, the power structures within the kingdom of God look a little bit different. And that is what we are talking about today as we talk about leadership. And what we're going to say is that good leaders are others-centered, good leaders are others-centered. Let me tell you a little bit about that phrase because when we were determining what our core values were, we uh, looked and recognized that, uh, well, Jesus himself said that uh, we were to love one another. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. That's John 13, 34. Uh, And so love definitely has to be one of our core values, but we were looking for a way to describe it in a way that just wouldn't be diluted because we, we use love in so many different ways. We love our spouses. We love chocolate chip cookies. You know, there's just all kinds of different ways. Well, how do you define what love is? And in the scriptures, you see that love does what's best for another person. It's not just a feeling, it's a decision to do what's best for another person, even in a situation where it costs us. And so the phrase that we came up with was others centered. And what we see in this passage is that this is what good leadership looks like. It's not focused on the leader and what the leader can get out of the situation, but what he can put in, he or she can put into it. Good leaders are others centered. And we also always try to give a very practical application, something that we can do, and it's important for us especially at this phase where we are still sort of kind of in the pandemic but Coming out of it, things are changing. Things are always adapting, and one of the challenges is to identify exactly who is a part of our flock, who is a part of Cornerstone. And so we want to be able to serve you well, and we have to know uh, we have to know that you are a part of the church. And used to be that would be a little bit easier because it would be people who showed up on Sunday morning at Red River Theaters at 10 a.m. But It's different now. And we need to be able to identify who you are so that we can take good care of you, serve you well, and so that we know who is on the team. So the practical step for today is, if Cornerstone is your church, to text me, M-E, to our church number, 603-225-2550. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But let's look at the passage for today. We're actually going to skip, if you're watching closely, you would notice that the last passage that we talked about was the first half of chapter four. We're skipping the second half of chapter four and gonna come back to that because the end of the book, the end of chapter five and the second half of chapter four have the same theme. So that's why we're gonna treat those together in an upcoming message. But today we are looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses one, two, seven, I'm gonna to read to you from the New Living Translation. And now a word to you who are elders in the church. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, Not for what you'll get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look at this today, that you would give us insight and understanding into your word, that you would show us how to uh, not only understand, but apply what we hear, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing and open and feet that are quick to obey, quick to follow your lead. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to become the kind of people that have good influence on the people around us and live lives that are exemplary, that are worth following as we follow you. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So let's look at it together again. Good leaders are others That's kind of the overarching theme of this whole thing. And he starts out with this idea that we are all leaders and we are all being led. John Maxwell's famously said that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And so you may not think of yourself as a leader. However, to some extent, all of us by our example, by our words, by the lives that we live are influencing everyone around us. So you can't Uh, rule yourself out of this message. This message applies to you because leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, and all of us have some sort of influence. Now, he starts out by saying, and now a word to you who are elders in the church. Now, elders implies somebody who is older. Now, but what he's really talking about are basically the leaders in the church, the elders, those who are providing pastoral leadership, although it's not just paid professionals, but those who are in leadership in the church. Uh, The term is borrowed from their Jewish heritage, because the people who were the leaders in the Jewish communities were called elders. And so the church was born out of that culture uh, and into that culture. And so they just adopted and adapted that to the church culture. Now, what this implies is that as you get older and wiser, then you are capable of providing influence and leadership but it doesn't mean that only people who are older can lead i served in an elder capacity in my church when i was in my 20s now i was not older and i was definitely not as wise as i hopefully uh, became over the years but i was fulfilling that role and so as you get older, wiser, get more responsibility, then that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. So he's talking to those who are leaders in the church. And what he says is that I, too, am an elder. Now, when he introduced himself at the beginning of the letter, the apostle Peter described himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. What he's doing here is really flattening the leadership structure. Because here you have Peter, who is the chief of the disciples, who is talking to the leaders in these local congregations and basically saying, hey, you know what? I'm just one of you also. Your elders, your leaders in your congregations, I too am an elder. In the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to emphasize, especially in our onsite, in-person gatherings, that really there's not a big difference between me as the pastor of the church and you as the congregation of the church. Yes, it's my job. Yes, I have certain responsibilities and uh, because of my role in leadership, but all of us are a royal priesthood. There is a thing called the priesthood of all the believers that we are all kind of on the same level. And so he is flattening that leadership. He's saying, your leaders, I'm I'm just one of you guys as well. But then he goes on to say, he describes himself first as a fellow elder, secondly, as a witness to the sufferings of Christ. In the previous message, we talk about how the sufferings of Christ is specifically referring uh, not just to pains, but to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He's saying, I was an eyewitness to what Jesus did to uh, to uh, uh, secure our salvation. So I was a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And then thirdly, he describes himself elder witness, but also as one who will share in his glory when he is revealed to the world. So he's saying, not only am I particip- uh, a witness to the sufferings, but I'm also going to get to participate in the, Jesus glory when he is revealed to the world. And then he makes his primary appeal. As a fellow elder, as one of you, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Literally, it says something that we could translate as shepherd the sheep. It's to uh, lead your flock the flock that God has entrusted to you. This is um, highlighting the idea of stewardship, which is all throughout this entire book that, that uh, we are not the owners, the the people that God has entrusted to us and our leadership. And you can think of this and you can make application to your family, the children that God has gifted to you. You could make application to your work, the people that uh, you work with or that you are responsible for. Uh, this is the flock that God has entrusted to you. They're not yours, but you have been placed in a position of leadership to provide care to nurture, to care for, to provide for, to benefit the people that are under your care. So uh, they belong to God, it's the flock of God, but you have stewardship trust that has been given to you with this group. So starts out by pointing out that we are all leaders we all have influence and we are all being led we're all a part of the same family and in the church of jesus christ there's a very flattened leadership structure because leaders good leaders are others centered they are serving others and again that's our bottom line that good leaders are others centered and then after entreating them to care for the flock that God has entrusted them, then he describes the way to go about it. And he is basically making the point that good leaders are in it for the right reasons. They're in it for the right reasons. He's going to describe what it means to be a good other-centered leader. He starts out by saying watching over it watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. So the people that God has given you, you want to do it willingly, not because you have to, not grudgingly, not because somebody has twisted your arm into a position of leadership, but with willingness. There's You have a good attitude. We're entreated in the scriptures to do everything without complaining and arguing. And that's kind of the idea here, that if you are a leader, if God has given you influence, and there are other kinds of leadership, not just pastoral leadership within the church. If you have responsibility over and for and to a group of people, then you are a leader in the church. You have influence. So that could be not just pastoral leadership or the leadership team of the church as a whole. If you are leading a team of people who are serving in the church, if you have a small group, whether it meets in person or meets online via Zoom or however, you are a leader in the church. And we want people who are doing it not out of a sense of obligation, but out of a sense of privilege that we get to serve others in this way, a willingness, not grudgingly. And then he says, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Sometimes people become leaders for the wrong reason, because they want to be honored, because they want the power that comes with leadership or in some cases it's so that they can fleece their flock. They just want to get something out of them. But in contrast, the way we are supposed to serve is because we are eager to serve God. Now, isn't that interesting? Good leadership is other centered and a good motivation to serve is to serve God. It reminds me of When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to love God, you love your neighbor. If you want to know if you love God, you ask, are you loving your neighbor? And so a good leader is going to be eager to serve God. And the way that he or she will do that is by serving others well, because good leadership is... Others centered. Now, literally, it says not for profit, not for what you get out of it, especially from a financial standpoint. However, it is important to recognize that it's okay to pay your pastors. Uh, and I'll just do this as an aside because there are some people that will take this as, oh, well, you know, pastors are just, but you're just supposed to have volunteers. But no, that's not what. The way it works in first corinthians 9 14 those who preach the gospel this is the apostle paul writing to the church at corinth those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel and that passage the first half of the verse actually says as the lord has commanded and we think that that refers back to matthew chapter 10 verse 10 where jesus is sending out the disciples to do their ministry And he encourages them to receive the hospitality that is offered. In other words, don't turn down the place to stay. Don't turn down the meals. Get your needs met because the worker is worthy of his wages. So so you've got in our passage, you have the uh, apostle uh, Paul, referring to this, you've got Peter talking about this, uh, and you've got in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, the Apostle Paul again emphasizing to his apprentice Timothy. Uh, one way that uh, the commentator translated it is the elders who lead are well worthy of full pay. So it's okay to get paid, but the question is, are you in it for what you will get out of it? or are you in it for what you can put into it? So that's one thing. Then the third qualification, he says, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. I like the message translation of this. I still have NLT down there, but this is actually the message. Not bossily telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. It's the idea of leading by example. Do you want to know if a leader is worth following? Look at their life and then say, would I want to would I want to be like them? Would I want to follow their example? And in fact, the Apostle Paul, again in 1 Corinthians, puts it this way follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What does good leadership look like? Look like? What is discipleship? It's looking at Christ, his example, taking into account what he taught and what he did, and then duplicating that, applying that, following his example. What is good leadership? It is serving others and basically saying, look, here's what I'm doing. I'm following Christ wholeheartedly. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow Christ wholeheartedly. And you can look to me as an example of that. I'm not always going to get it right. I'm not going to get it perfectly, but we're going to both do the same thing. We're going to move in the same direction. Let's follow Christ wholeheartedly. And then we'll, we'll be an example worth following. So good leaders are others centered. And in this next Passage. The next part of this passage, the key to this working is seeing God's provision in good leaders. Is the key to good relations or good relationships. This has to do with the idea of authority. Remember, all authority is God's authority. He loans it to people. Any time you have any power over someone because of uh, power that you have a position or authority, that's God's, and he has granted it to you in order that you might benefit those under their, your authority to serve them. And therefore, a good leader is God's provision to you. It's a way of benefiting you. Now, we all recognize that there are bad leaders out there. and. One of the reasons I wanted to do this message is to protect us from bad leaders. Bad leaders are in it for the for what they will get out of it. They're going to be bossy and directive, uh, not, not directive is not a good word, bossy in the way that they lead others rather than saying, hey, just follow my example. A shepherd leads by walking in front of the flock and calling them along, not by driving them, pushing them, etc. So when you have a good leader, that is a gift to you from God. And recognizing that allows you to benefit from it and seeing God's provision in good leaders is the key to good relations. So he shifts in verse 5 to the followers. He said, your elders, you elders, I'm one of you, care for the flock that God has been entrusted to you. And then he shifts to those who are the followers and you who are younger must follow your leaders, follow their lead. Again, in the same way that elders is not exclusively just older people, Younger here is used just as followers, it's speaking to the followers, follow your leaders. That's the message translation. Now you might have noticed in the New Living Translation, this passage starts out with this phrase, in the same way, and I think this is key understanding this part of the passage. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of your elders. If you're paying close attention and have been listening for a while, you might, that phrase might sound familiar to you because when we were dealing with other authorities, governmental authorities, employers, Home based authority, that phrase in the same way would show up again and again. And so he's using it again to hark back to, I think, verse 13 of chapter 2. The whole section on authority is introduced like this For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. For the Lord's sake. And when we came across that phrase and that verse, the first time we explained it because we were talking about authority. And you might remember this definition. Let's look at it again. This is how authority works from a biblical perspective. All authority is God's authority. It belongs to God which he loans to those in authority. Just like the flock is the flock of God, it doesn't belong to the pastor, it doesn't belong to the leaders, it's God's flock, but we have been entrusted with leadership. He loans his authority to those in authority, and this is the key phrase, for the benefit of those under that authority. The only reason God gives you power over someone is so that you can serve them for their benefit and for which we will be held accountable. There's a time where we're going to be accountable to God for how we have stewarded our influence. So that, that phrase, for the benefit of those under that authority, That is the key. And it's also the key to good relationships. When you recognize that good leaders have been placed in authority over you for your benefit by God, then you recognize that following their lead is going to benefit you and it is a way that you can honor the Lord. How did this full section on authority start out? For the Lord's sake. Now, this makes us a little bit uncomfortable because we all know that we assume that God's leadership is always going to be perfect. And we know that human leadership is not always perfect. But a big issue that the apostle Peter is dealing with throughout all of this is Self centered and self directed and self seeking behavior because he's trying to knock down Peter is all of the objections that we give to following others' authority. Well, the governmental authorities are not godly. Well, unless they are asking you to do something that is evil and ungodly, then you can still follow their lead. Well, my employer is not always kind. He's not always fair. Well, yeah, that may be true, but unless you are being asked to do something that is ungodly and or evil, then you can still follow your employer's lead. The same thing can happen in the household. And what we do is because we want our own way, we reject the leadership that has, that God has placed over us and because god has placed good leaders over us then we sometimes miss out on the good things that god has in store for us because we are unwilling to f- place ourselves under the authorities that god has provided for us so again we're not talking about blindly following bad evil leaders but we are but that's usually Uh, That's not often our problem, it's not always our problem. Often our problem is we just wanna do our own thing and we don't like following the lead, submitting ourselves to those who are in authority over us. So this is why, because God has placed people in authority over us for the benefit of us under their authority, that's why the writer of Hebrews could say, contribute when he's talking about leaders within the church specifically, contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Literally, don't make them groan. You know, when, they, when they think of you and they think of, of uh, your participation in the flock that God has entrusted to them, don't make them groan. Why would you want to make things harder for them? You see, you see God has place people in a positions of authority to benefit you. And so when we make things difficult for people who are trying to serve us well, that's not to our benefit. Why? Because a good leader is alert to the condition of your lives and works under the strict supervision of God, supervision of God. They are accountable to God. And many leaders are in it for the right reasons. They're, they they care about the condition of your soul, and they recognize that it's not about them. It's about serving you and serving God. And so, there again, the prescription is be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their. Council and that's not just watch it not just listen to the podcast it the idea of listening means following their lead be Responsive to your pastoral leaders because a good leader if you choose well If you have a good leader, they are going to be other centered That's how you recognize them and this whole thing goes back around to the idea that humility is the key and that's how the apostle peter wraps up this section he says leaders care for the flock that god has entrusted to you followers follow their lead and then he gives the reason he addresses everyone all of you dress yourselves in humility. As you relate to one another for leaders you have to be you have to have a certain humility to say this isn't about me i'm gonna serve because i want to see others benefit i'm going to be others centered it requires a great deal of humility to put yourself under somebody's leadership and to follow their lead you might think you know better you might think that you have more experience you might think you just don't want to do what they are telling you to do because you want to do your own thing and you don't want anybody to tell you what to do it requires a certain amount of humility to grease the rails and to make the relationships go well so he prescribes that all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another and then he gives the background to it for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's in quotes because it's referring back to another scripture. And this verse is repeated multiple times in the scriptures. Suggests to me, if God's gonna put something in his word multiple times, that it's important. It's worth paying attention to. And what this is saying is when you are proud, you're setting yourself up in opposition to God. When you refuse the good and godly authorities that God has placed in your lives, whether that be your parents or uh, church leadership or uh, wherever you're, you encounter that you are in essence, setting yourself in opposition to God. But when you humble yourself, then you're, putting yourself on the other side. You're placing yourself in God's camp. So which would you rather have to be in opposition, have God in opposition to you or to be on God's side? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So he says, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Humble yourselves under God's hands. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. A lot of the times what we do is when we are self-centered, then we don't want to follow other people's lead. We're trying to get ahead. We're trying to uh, advance our own selves and our own cause. And he says, that's not the way to do it. You're going to find yourself in opposition to God. But if you humble yourselves, if you'll follow the lead, then at the right time, God himself will lift you up in honor. We don't do this sometimes because we have certain interests that we want to see advanced. And we think the, the way to accomplish that is by getting our own way. And so he wraps up by saying, cast all your cares upon him. All the things that you are doing, all the things that you are concerned about, cast those cares upon him, on the Lord, because he cares for you. He's the one that's watching out for you. He's the one that is caring for you by placing you in places where you have people who care about you, where there is good leadership. So don't make it difficult for them. Follow their lead. This is one of the ways that God is caring for you. And if you will humble yourself, if you will take the position of the servant, then in time, God will lift you up at the right time, in the right place, he will advance you cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So we were talking about leadership today. And what we're saying is that good leaders are others centered. And I want to identify who are the people that make up Cornerstone, who are the people that we are responsible for. We wanna know who you are so that we can serve you well and the way that you can let us know is just by texting me count me in to 603-225-2550 we want to do a good job because we have responsibility to you and for you if you are a part of the church and we don't know we can't do that if we don't know who you are we want to care for the flock that God has entrusted to us. And I'll wrap this up with a little bit of a a story. There's a word here, this word for care, that is actually used in a different context. Uh, And it's a very important context to the author of this letter. Peter, the apostle, is writing to the elders saying, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Now, it's interesting because Peter, of course, was the one who promised, I'm gonna be with you to the death, Jesus, I'll never leave you, and Jesus famously predicted that Peter would deny him three times before the cock crowed in the next morning just less than 24 hours away, and of course, that's exactly what happened. So when Peter says that he was a witness to the suffering of Christ, those who knew the story that would end up in the Gospel of John might have hearkened back to that, and said, yeah, you, you saw it, but you didn't see it up close because you ran away, you denied Christ. And just imagine what it was like for Peter when he heard that the tomb was empty, when he ran with the Apostle John to the garden tomb and saw the tomb was empty, wondering what was going on. And then later, Jesus appears to the disciples, proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that he had come back to life, but he had denied him. He had failed Jesus. And in John chapter 21, after Jesus has appeared to them, after he has shown that he has conquered death, sin and the grave, it seems like they still don't know exactly what to do. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. He was a fisherman before Jesus. And maybe there's that sense of, yeah, Jesus has raised, but I'm not sure I'm in on what Jesus is doing. And so they go out fishing. And then there's a man on the shore and he calls out to them, have you caught anything? No, well put down your net on the other side. And they do and the fish just swarm into the net and they begin to recognize that's that's Jesus on the shore. They come in, Jesus is cooking breakfast for them. And he asks the apostle Peter, do you love me? And he says, "Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you." And Jesus says, "Feed my lambs." Then he asks him again, "Simon, son of John, do you love me?" "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." Take care of my sheep. And he asks him a third time and and Peter is is wounded by that. And he says, Lord, you know, all things, nothing is hidden from you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. The very word that the apostle Peter would use speaking to the elders of the churches about caring for the flock that God had entrusted to them was the same word that Jesus had spoken to him when he said, take care of my sheep and so i i love that because the apostle peter was a flawed man but he had been restored he gave jesus gave him three opportunities to declare his allegiance to him to declare his love for him just like peter had denied him three times and then he commissions him and says look you're my man feed my sheep care for the flock feed my lambs take care of the flock that god has entrusted to you god has entrusted a flock to you he has given you influence don't rule yourself out because of failure or whatever reasons you are giving for not serving God by serving the people that God has entrusted and put into your circle. Good leaders are others-centered, and sometimes a humble appreciation of our own failings and shortcomings can turn you into one of the best leaders and a better leader than you would be otherwise. And we need you we need your participation the kingdom of god is going to be incomplete unless each part does its own special work so that the whole body can be healthy and growing and full of love that's ephesians 4 16 so count yourself in won't you let us serve you and then lock arms with us, and let's serve the people in our congregation, the people in our church, and the people in our community, showing God's love to them by serving them well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a good God who loves us, who has provided for us, given us, the gift of your son, salvation found in him. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody who does not yet know where they stand with you, that this would be the moment where they declare their allegiance to you, where they say yes to you. Yes to the forgiveness that you purchased for them on the cross. Yes to to your leadership in their lives. And then may they, may we, identify with one another in the church, the local church, so that we can serve you and serve others well. Give each person the insight and direction that they need to know what they need to do with what they've heard today, and then give us the courage, faith, and initiative to act on it accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen.